0: You are listening to the sermon series "Follow." In this sermon, Pastor Dan Chung examines the Gospel according to Luke, the identity of Jesus, and the cost of discipleship. The following is a presentation of Life Light Church in San Francisco. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org. Yeah, I don't know if some of you noticed, but we we uh, kind of updated or upgraded our website, and it does have um, the you know the sermons. And hopefully it'll it'll have more on it. And when you do open soon, in the next couple of days, when you open it on your phone, it, it'll it open it as a web app for your phone. And also the, pod, the sermons have gone up in iTunes podcast. So if you search for Life Light Church in iTunes podcast, um, then you get it. And it's a really nice app to have, whether you have Android. I guess you don't have it on Android. But you <laughs> have, um, have Apple. Um, there's a podcast app. And it's really nice way to just... Stream it or download it and listen to it later and whatnot, um, to catch up on when you do miss it. Um, And um, so, you know, all of that, and Randy's helping, uh, he's taking a charge on that, so just be aware. So, today is a Super Bowl Sunday. I didn't even know. I mentioned to somebody, and they said, no, there's a Super Bowl tomorrow. Oh, there's a Super Bowl? Um, Who cares, right? Niners didn't go. Patriots didn't go, so... uh, Seahawks, young man. You're right. So, no. yeah. No. Well, you know, for our, um, <laughs> if there's any connection to you know the Super Bowl, it would be Seahawks, yeah. right? Seattle. So, hope Seattle win. No. Okay. No. Anyway, uh, speaking of party, today's text. What we're gonna study today? The text today is about party. So I don't know if you noticed, but when you read through the Luke. And all, throughout the look and throughout acts, it's all about party. Looks, he really likes parties. Um, it's all about a lot of meal times. You remember a lot of meal times, and Jesus talks about stuff and context and a lot of parables and stuff. Jesus talks about is about meal times and banquet and wedding feast. You know that Jesus' first miracle was at what? A wedding. a wedding party, right? I mean, Jesus loves parties, right? That's what we find in the Gospel of Luke and. A lot of it is all these stories are about parties. So the text that we have today, there are four different parties going on. Within a party. So Jesus is in a party talking about three other parties. Or about parties, about you know, guests of the party and the host of the party. So today is all about parties. So um, hey, so you, you can see that in Luke, even the end of it, very end ending story of Gospel of Luke is about feast, having a feast, Jesus meeting with two strangers on the road and they're having a feast. You know that we have sort of a feast, a resemblance of, you know, symbol of feast that we're going to have. Um, Considering all of us, we are Gentiles and uh, the first sign of Gentiles being brought into the kingdom of God was, happened with, with what symbols? Fist, all kinds of food falling from the sky, right? So you can see that it's about food, it's about eating, it's about party, Right, and we all love party. Uh, what was your, uh, what was your, what was the best party that you ever been to? My 15th oh, me me. Oh. Uh, is that your 16 thing? It says 13, 14, 15. Okay, so we thing. Okay. What was your, anybody else, what was your best party, favorite parties that you've been to? New Year's. New Year's? Probably my cousin's wedding. Really? New <laughs> <Really? laughs> Year's party? I've been to. There's so much food. Every year on my I, okay, like me, I don't know if there's any party that I remember as my favorite. Um, I've been either working at it or, you know, being a part of it, so I didn't really get to enjoy, and uh, I don't really, we haven't, F and I haven't really been to a party that we get to enjoy because we had a Hannah so early on. Um, but hopefully there will be another party, and parties that I've been to before that isn't a party that I remember well or want to remember, so we won't talk about that. Um... <laughs> or uh, the first party I ever been to was when I was eighteen. I was part of, you know, Enterprise rent car I worked for the company. And company had a company at Christmas party, and it was a huge party at a big hotel, you know. And um, you know, uh, I, I'm sure that Daniel goes to it all the time for work catering and stuff. But it was it was a great party. Um, but anyways, um, there's a lot more to talk about that which I can't talk about right now. So there's a party, and also food. Everybody loves food, right? I mean. I'm not a huge fan of food. I'm I'm not a foodie, but some of you are foodies and you love food. And in the Bible, Jesus talks a lot about mealtime. You know, He's at mealtime. He's always eating. And when you look at it, life, you know, if you take out eating in your life, then what's there? There's not much left, right? I mean, in the old ancient days, nowadays, because of modern time, we are, there's more to life than just eating. Right, we have purpose. You know, we have work. We want to make something different. You know, make difference happen in the world and whatnot. But in the old days, the life was about eating. Right? How can I put table on my, you know, food on my table, right? So I can eat. You work so that you can eat. Right? You party so that you can be at a place where you can eat. It was all about eating. Um, your favorite meal? What's the favorite meal that you remember? So many. So many. Would you be surprised? My favorite food that I remember ever was and sour pork. That I had when I was in fourth grade. I know, but you know, it's the first time I ever had it. It was the best. And you know, and I, I don't like Chinese food. Isn't that weird? Um, favorite food? First time trying tacos in Mexico. Oh, I like it Korean. Your like Yeah. So hey, we can go on and on about parties and food and. Uh, but here's the thing. If Jesus loves eating meals together and partying, and gospel writer loves. About talking about parties, and if, you know, all about it is party, then why do we have such, you know, in a way, Christians have such negative image of parties, right? We either, um, we ourselves have negative image of, you know, understanding of parties, or people have negative understanding of Christians, And parties, like, oh, you're Christian, you don't do anything fun, you don't go to any parties, you don't do anything, right? Or us, oh, parties are terrible, we can't be at parties and we can't have fun, we're supposed to be holy and be praying and reading the Bible all the time. Um, Right, that's kind of the false image of who we are in relation to parties. And a lot of things that we learn in the Bible, and which has to do with our lives, is there are things that the world has turned abusively, right, have turned it negative, turned it to simple ways. And what we do as believers as we take our lives in that reflects more of who Jesus is, we redeem those things in a way that, that is meant what God has meant it to be. For example, parties, we need to redeem what it means to party. Minus drugs and things you know, minus all this, but just pure having fun, eating together, enjoying each other's company. So that's what we're called to do. We're called to redeem things in life that God has blessed us with. Sex. Everyone thinks, oh, sex is terrible, sex is bad. No, it's God designed it to be wonderful. We need to redeem that. Right? Relationships. We need. There are a lot of things we need to redeem and one of them is party. Um, and there's the notion that Christians don't have any fun. Is that true? No. We, we have plenty of fun, right? That's true. Uh, I tell you, Josh... I tell this to Josh sometimes, like... I've always had friends who are non-Christians, and I didn't know what Christians do to have fun. And uh, I was in seminary, and uh, I was invited to a party. And in my mind, the party, I'm thinking very differently, right? Very secular way. And I went to party, and then they sat around in the circle, and they were talking. And it was like, honestly, like, hey, this is weird, this is a party. <laughs> and they started... Bringing out board games, and I know some of you love playing board games, and but it was strange for me, like I don't ever do this. This isn't a party. Uh, so my first experience of like Christians coming together and like having a party wasn't very fun. But in a way, when you think about it, we we have party all the time, right? We you guys have sort of party. We have Christmas party, Thanksgiving party. When we come together, we have, sometimes we used to have a Super Bowl party. Uh, we have party. We have fun, and in 2 weeks we're going to go to a uh, retreat and that's going to be party ish right we're going to have fun right i think it's it's okay would you be like would you be confident to go and tell your friends that as a church when i come together with my church friends we have fun party, party.
1: true right
0: we have fun right it's when we a party we have fun and it's the sobering party that they're going to have right um yeah Anyways, um, so what we realize today, and we're going to see that kingdom of God is a party. And we have this thought and perspective of heaven being this non-stop church. <laughs> you know, you sing, you listen to sermon, you doze off, uh, you know, boring. That's the notion that we have of heaven, and it's not, and you see it. In the life of Jesus on earth, He was all about party. He was all about having fun, getting together with His disciples, eating together and talking and enjoying. And that's what the heaven is going to be like. It's going to be a life of party. A party. right? And that's what we need to do. We need to show that we can also have life of party as a community, as a church people together. We have fun. And we invite other people, people from outside of church in, they say, whoa, they're actually having fun. This is actually fun. And part of that is what we do with the Young Life, right? Young Life, we invite your friends in and they realize that Young Life Club, you could actually have fun and that does not involve alcohol and doing ridiculously, you know, bad stuff. That's what it is. We have fun. The Kingdom of God is about is about party. So, that's our text today. It's all about party. Let me pray. And we'll go ahead and read our, read our text. Jesus, we pray that... Um, as we study your word, that you'll give us understanding, and we'll get a better glimpse, a correct, uh, redeemed glimpse of what our lives should be as believers, that we have fun, because you are God who's about fun, about joyful things, about interesting things, about enjoying relationships. And that's what it's going to be with you in heaven for eternity, which we will long after. So I pray that you'll open our hearts, open our minds, and we'll receive your word with gladness. And then it will allow us to live our lives in a way that we really live life for party for you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, let's go ahead and read our text. It's Luke chapter 14. We're going to do verse 1 through 24 verses. So we got a lot today. Um, you, you know, you get it when we have like 8 verses, 10 verses, it's a lot. But we, today we got 24 verses. Um, so let's go. So here we go. Verse 1, I'll read a verse and you'll read the next one. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. And Jesus asked the lawyers and Pharisees, Is it lawful to cure people on on the Sabbath or not? Then he said to them, If one of you has a child or an ox that has fallen into a well, will you not immediately pull it out on Sabbath day? When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place, and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place for all who exalt exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted he said to the one and one by the hand when you give a the to of the neighbor, you not invite your friends or your brothers or your brothers or your neighbors, in case Return, and you and will be be but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. You will be for the of the One of the dinner guests, on hearing this, said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. At the time of the dinner he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. They all began to make excuses. The first said, I have a lot of Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said I have just sister married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of this town and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. Word of the Lord. So, you get to see the context of this. This is all happening as Jesus is in a party, in a dinner party on Sabbath, and He's talking about three things that involves party. About guests of the party, about hosts of the party, and a parable about a party. So, this is all happening. So, when you think about it, and who's there at the dinner party, it's really, really an awkward dinner party. It, it really is. And uh, try to get a picture of it. The context is a big dinner party on Sabbath, um, which obviously is prepared in advance. Before the Sabbath, sun goes down, they prepare. And on the Sabbath of the evening, Pharisee will bring the guest and the teacher or, you know, traveling teacher and they bring them in to speak. So this is a um, big party, big dinner evening with uh, esteemed guests. So that's what's happening. pretty common. The host is the head of the Pharisees. So, whoever this might be, this, this is someone who's important, who is an important person in the town, who is the leader among the law uh, lawyers and among the Pharisees. The agenda they have is what? It says they were watching Jesus closely. The agenda is to trap Jesus. And we've seen this happen, right? We've seen this happen a couple of times prior to this text. And really the outcome is that Jesus embarrasses and condemns everyone, all the Pharisees, in a really super major way. And that's kind of what happens at the end. That's the whole story overall. So let's look at it closely. The setup of the party is this. Have Jesus on Sabbath. right? Bring a guy looking desperate to be healed. And in this case, this is a guy with a dropsy. Um, dropsy is a it says it's excessive fluid in the body and your body swells up. It's a serious illness. It's not immediate, you're not in immediate danger, but as it grows, it endangers your life, basically. So, they bring in, there's a guy with a dropsy, and you see in verse 4, it says, so Jesus took him and healed him and his, he, and sent him away. Um, so, the trap is this. Pharisees calls Jesus on Sabbath. They have a dinner for him, but the whole thing is to trap him, right? So, you can imagine... They're all sitting around the table, and they bring in this guy who has a dropsy, right? And you can see by the Jesus sent him away that he doesn't belong there. There's no reason for him to be there except for the Jesus to trap Jesus. So it's really interesting compared to what had happened in the previous accounts of Jesus dealing with Sabbath and Sabbath law and Pharisees, you know, trapping Jesus and all of that. He sees the guy and looks around the Pharisees. And uh, what does he do? He first asks them a question, right? Which is awesome. He goes, is it lawful to heal someone on the Sabbath? Um, Jesus asks a question, and then he, no one answers, because they're kind of trapped in Jesus' question. Because if they say, yes, it's lawful, Lawful, then they demeans, diminishes the uh, Sabbath law. If they say no, then they diminish the, the care for the sick. Um, so they can't answer, and Jesus heals the man and sends him away, and rebukes the rebukes the Pharisees, right? So they're left they're left speechless. So that's kind of what happens at the beginning. So you can tell that they've been defeated in their attempt to trap Jesus. And again, just a dinner party, you're all sitting together, and it's awkward now, like, Okay, and Jesus is doesn't stop there. He goes on to talk more about. Things which rebukes the Pharisees. So the, there are two things he's going to do um, ahead. Is one, verse seven to eleven, is he gives advice to guests. Here's the way the setup is. You know the uh, picture of uh, um, the Last Supper, and everyone's sitting at one table, looking at the direction, <laughs> same direction, right? Uh, like a Kodak moment, like a taking a picture. But it's really not right. Some of you are aware that that's not how people sit. When you come together in a dinner party in this time in this culture, is you sit in like a U shaped, and you get a mat um, that fits three people, and you have a bunch of those. So you get a like table, and low table, and it's in a U shape, and you get you know you know the couch sort of big mat that's sitting next to each other, and the the guest of honor sits in where obviously in the middle right in the in the bottom of the U shape in the middle, like. We're sitting here, and I told you we're going to talk about sitting. Guess who the next important person sits? Right here, right? right Next to the the person. So, to the left, and you're sitting like this, your left hand leaning on the table. The most important person, the second most important person sits behind the person. The the honored guest, the favorite person, sits in front of... um, the guest. So so when you look at the, the Last Supper, who's sitting behind Jesus? Uh, the guest of honor? Or the home guest of honor? Oh Jesus is the guest of honor. So who sits behind Jesus? Uh, Judas. Judas is curious, right? Judas sits behind which means he's an important person. Right? Who sits in front of Jesus and who's leaning toward and leaning on the Jesus' bosom? Peter. John. Peter apparently is far away, <laughs> so much that he couldn't hear what Jesus was talking about. So he's asking for that. Like, what do you say? What do you say? And we'll talk about that when we get to the uh, the scene of uh, Last Supper. Uh, so that's the sitting, and Jesus looks around and he he sees everybody trying to find the you know seat of honor. Like I'm most important, so I should sit next to Jesus, and then you, and then you, and then you, right? One of the um, uh, one of the commentator and they say, to refer this as an undignified scramble for a place of honor. That's what they're doing. No, I gotta sit here. No, 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 you go there. No, I sit here, because I need to be more honorable. I I have a higher social status. So Jesus sees that, and what does he say? He says, uh, he gives an example, right? He gives a device, and when you read it, he says, well, if you scramble to sit in the higher honor, and it's realized that you don't belong there, then what happens to you? That you end up, you are asked, excuse me, can you move down? Right? Um, has that happened to anybody? You sat somewhere, and someone came and said, can you move to other seat? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, which is embarrassing, obviously. So Jesus said, you know, sit in a lower end, so that when people realize where you're sitting and where you should be sitting, that you get honored. You become honored. So Jesus said, you know, if those who uh, desire to be exalted will be humbled, and humbled will be exalted. right? So which is good party advice on parties, how to approach parties. But is Jesus giving advice on you know, party etiquette? No, I mean, it's kind of common. I mean, everyone knows about this. Why is Jesus saying this? There has to be more. And what we realize is Luke says, in verse 7, he says, He told them, a parable. What's a parable? A story. Huh? It's a story. But what's unique about parable? That it has a meaning. It has a meaning. It has double meaning. It has a meaning that's not around the surface. It it has a meaning that it requires more digging into. So, what is Jesus saying? If he's if he's saying a, he's saying a parable. So be humble. Mm. He's obviously saying be humble. But in this scene, what is Jesus saying is you got to remember, the whole thing is about the people who are sitting with Jesus. It's about Pharisees. So here's what Jesus is saying as a parable. He's saying, this is what you're trying to do to God. You're actually trying to find a place of honor in God's sight. By trying to show that how you obey the law, how you're religious, um, how you're pure, and how you go through all this process, that's what all of you're doing. You're trying to find a place of honor in place of God. In doing so, because in this culture... It helps if you're rich and worthy that you can go through the religious, you know, rituals. You can be pure. You can you have a, you know, time and energy to follow the law. If you're poor, it's hard to do. So what they have done, the Pharisees and religious people, what they have done is in pursuit of trying to look good to God. They have put aside. They have diminished. They have put down the people who are poor, who are weak, who are lame, who are blind. And they have made them look like they're cursed people. They're not lawful. They're not pure. They're not honored. They're not blessed. That's what they have done. So Jesus is looking at them, telling them, this is you. You are trying to find this place of honor in sitting inside of God. And in doing so, you are disregarding those who are outcasts, that you have outcast them out. So Jesus is showing that what it's going to be like in heaven, which is again, upside down value. For those who want to be exalted, you will be humbled, and those who are humbled will be exalted. Okay, the next one, in verse 12 to 14, Jesus says in verse 12, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. Who does this? Everyone. Everyone, right? Who does the, everyone, right? Um, some of you have been to like young life banquet, right? Who's there? All the people who can give, all the donors and rich people, well, and that's understandable because there's a purpose for the banquet, right? Purpose. But this is the same thing with the dinner parties. Like someone who's having a dinner parties, you invite people that you can get to make a connection, build network, and so you can benefit from. And same thing goes with you guys. Like even if you're just hanging out with your friends, who do you hang out with? Sometimes you hang out with people that you can benefit with, like oh he's gonna I'm gonna take him to dinner and he's gonna take me to dinner and we're gonna do this together and you know we'll do this together, right? We do this. Um, even kids' birthday parties, it's amazing, right, <laughs> Hannah? You would invite. If you're having a party, you would invite people who you want to go to birthday party too, right? Because you came to my kid's birthday party, so my kid is going to go to your kid's birthday party. It's all strategic. You'd be surprised, right? Yes. The world of kindergarten and preschool and you know elementary school, all these birthday invites for kids, it's incredible. So you end up going to like, if there's 20 kids in class, you end up going to 20 birthday parties in a year. I mean, it's... It's busy. It's, you know, every weekend you're going to go to buy. So, we do this, right? We all do this. We invite people which, from whom we can, you know, benefit from. In verse 13, it says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Who does this? Who does this? <laughs> invite somebody that has completely no relations. you. can be no benefit to you. Soup no. kitchens in the Anybody? Huh? Soup kitchens in the Tenderloin. Soup kitchens in the Tenderloin, right? Right. Okay. But do normal people do this? No. No, No, right? Programs. I mean, it's, it's, it, this is a, when you hear Jesus saying it, and it's puzzling to these people as it is to us. Like, don't invite friends, relatives, and neighbors to dinner. Invite the poor and the disabled. And does anybody do that? You go out, walk out to the street, and invite the homeless to home. Hey, why don't you come to my house? Have dinner with me. It, it doesn't make sense. My parents have tried that before, but then the homeless person stole <laughs> stuff from... Hold on to that thought. <laughs> we're going to get to that. Right? So, it, it's it's completely upside down values. Again, we see what Jesus is referring to. He's going to explain more. But, maybe it's a good time for us to talk about this. Jesus is talking about inviting others. And, and so far, we've heard a lot of sayings that has to do with inviting poor, being good to poor, being generous, and you know, having the hospitality. And in our understanding of hospitality in Western society, what's a hospitality to us? How can so you define hospitality, Hospitality, being good, being serving, 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 to who? Hosting people. hosting people to who? People you know, right? That's the way we understand hospitality is, you know, hosting my friends, when my friend needs a place to stay, let him stay at my place taking my friends out to dinner, you know, my relatives, my parents, and oh, you're so hospitable. Great. But you know, the true meaning of hosp- you know, being hospitality in Bible, in the ancient world, word is love of a stranger. It's inviting stranger. It's being good to a complete stranger. So it's not about having a dinner party. It's not about sending food out and, you know, offering food to strangers and homeless. It's about sitting together Accepting one another and have, you know having a fellowship, you know having breaking you know breaking bread together. That's what it means to have, be hospitable, hospitality. It's not a not a project. Um, that's like the worst word that we use, right? When you go to homeless and help homeless, oh, you know that's a project. What does that mean, right? It's like you made it so inhumane. That, oh, it's a project we're doing. We're going to homeless kitchen. We're helping these homeless. It's not a project, right? That's not being hospitable. Hospita- hospitable means inviting the person, accepting the person. Um, but, you know, to be honest, I mean, I can't do that. I can't invite a stranger to come into my house and sleep over. I mean, I have girls living in the house. I mean, it's for the safety reasons we don't know. And that's what we usually feel. We don't feel safe about having somebody who don't we, we don't know to come over uh, for dinner. Right, we don't get in strangers' car. We don't hitchhike because it's not safe. Right, and and many many horror movies are there to uh, confirm that these are not safe things. Right, um, we can't do that. But what can we do when it comes to being hospitable, being generous? We, don't, we may not be able to go to the distance where we invite complete strangers and homeless to our homes, to dinner parties. But we can go to distance where we are welcoming somebody we don't know, right? When you go out, and you guys do this all the time. You guys go out to dinner together. You go hang out at Bachi's house, as you've done this week, some of you. Um, you go to movies together. And sometimes you just invite people you know, because oh, I just want to go out with people I know because I'm comfortable like that. Or would you able would you invite somebody that you don't know so well? What if somebody brings hey, can I bring my friend you guys don't know, but I like to bring my friend. How about welcoming that? Or how about welcoming just a neighbor? Somebody that you met. And this is possible. I've seen it done by Steve Chung. <laughs> <laughs> like we went to like lunch together, he brought some hey I'm. hey this is you know, Steve. Um, this is John. Hey John. So how do you guys know each other? Oh, we met on the street. <laughs> and we're having lunch together with this guy. Just having a random talk, getting, get, getting to know the person. Steve would bring complete stranger to when we had a Young Life house on Terreville. he just bring somebody. Hey, I helped this guy. He, his car was broke down and he needs to fix the tire. So I helped him and I brought him over. Because, um, you, know, you know, to have you know, lunch together and do this together. Just complete strangers. And he will just build relationships. Right? We can do that, right? It doesn't need to be where we're going out and searching for this poor homeless guy, but just a stranger. Be good to stranger. Invite stranger. You know, good enough that you you, you want to start making a relationship. Not thinking about what kind of job does this person have. Is this going to be a good network for me? Um, is it going to be a good relationship for me to you know build on in the future? And just plainly, just making. A relationship, building a relationship with a stranger. We can do that, right? It's something that we can do. And what can we do as a church? And that's the question we need to answer together, right? What can we do as a church to be a church that really presents hospitality of what it means to be, that where Jesus um, commands us to do? Let's move on. In verse 16 and 23, Jesus shares a parable about great banquet. Basically, the parable is this. There's a huge dinner party. There's a host. He sends RSVP, and uh, everyone confirms, and he prepares the dinner, and he sends out the servant. That, hey, tell everybody dinner's ready. Everything's prepared. Invite them, right? And that's kind of how it's done. You don't just invite person, and this isn't where he just sends somebody, people out, send the servant out, say, tell people that there's a dinner. Come on over. This has been confirmed, the RSVP. These people are supposed to be here he sends them and everyone declines at last minute. Right? Everyone declines and give excuses. Um, and uh, servant comes back and host becomes angry. Right? Who wouldn't? Right? Has it has that ever happened to you? You made an arrangement and people say they'll show up and what happens? Deflake. They give they ex- flake, <laughs> give excuses. Right? Um, it happens that it's not uh, it's not a pleasant event. You do you you know you've been they you flake and. Um, that you don't know what to do. So, the host gets, become angry, and he says, go out, bring new people, goes out on the streets, brings homeless, brings people on the street, brings everybody in. Um, That's kind of what, that's kind of what happens in the story. Um, And we want to understand that. And there are three different ways to understand this parable. One, is a historical meaning behind this parable. And historical meaning is this. The context is the great banquet, but it's a great banquet in the kingdom of God. And I share this with you, that heaven is like a banquet, it's like a party. And it's expressed in Isaiah that what Jewish people expect, the Israelites expect from the Old Testament, is that when you get to heaven, the kingdom of God is going to be like a big party, a great banquet. So when Jesus says a great banquet, and the guy who... Um, get Jesus to share this, mentions, oh, we're all going to have a bread in the kingdom of God, means the great banquet, the kingdom of God. And the host, obviously, in this context is who? God, right? Yahweh, God. Jesus is the host. And RSVP, the people who are confirmed to be there are who? What do you think? Jewish people, Jewish people right? These religious people, Pharisees, lawyers, the religious Jewish people. And they have received RSBP through who? Prophets in the Old Testament. Prophets in the Old Testament say, Kingdom of God is coming. Are you coming? said, I want to be there. They sent in their uh, RSVP. Right. So the first guests that have been invited are who? The religious ones. The Pharisees. The people who Jesus is sitting at dinner together are the ones. But they gave what? Excuses. And here are the excuses. One guy says, I bought a house, I can't. I bought a field, I can't come. In that culture, it takes almost an year to negotiate the purchase of buying a land. So that's an excuse, right? It's a lame excuse. Second guest says, I bought five oxen, right? Ox. You don't buy five, you buy in pair in that culture. So right away, Jesus is hinting, that's a lame excuse. And if you bought five, if you can afford five oxen, you don't need to go there and buy yourself. Right? So, another lame excuse. Third person say, oh, I just got married. <laughs> right? Well, why did you send in the RSVP if you're going to, you know, be married? Right? Another, again, just obvious excuse. Lame excuse. Not only that, these excuses in this culture, when you RSVP in and say you'll be there and send in a lame excuse, and you say that publicly, not only are you insulting the host, but you're intentionally trying to keep the banquet from happening. They're trying to keep it from happening. So what Jesus is saying is to these Pharisees that he's sitting together, you're the first guest, you received about from the prophets about the kingdom of God, you are keeping me from making it happen. You're sending, you're giving excuses. You're insulting. So that's the first guest. Not only are they declining, they're preventing the banquet from happening. The second guest are other Jews, the outcasts, blinds, you know, lame, the other Jews who haven't been invited, who haven't been esteemed in the society, they're being invited. And third guests are, guess who? Look at <laughs> all right, <laughs> Gentiles. Third guests are Gentiles again. Who are Gentiles? Anybody who's not a Jew. Anybody who's not a Jew. Who's not a Jew? Everybody. Like us. That's us, right? So all stories of Jesus is about. And against religious Jews at the dinner table. So you read, look at verse 15. Verse 15. One of the dinner guests, on hearing this, said to him, "Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God." One of the dinner guests is basically Pharisee, right? He's a Pharisee or a lawyer. So he's saying, "Yay, we're all going to be at the great banquet in heaven in the kingdom of God." And Jesus replies at the end of his parable. In verse 24, For I tell you, and this is not you, he's already finished the story of the parable, he's saying you as in everyone here, he says, For I tell you, none of those who were invited would taste my dinner. So what Jesus is saying is, nope, none of you are going to be there. I mean, talk about blowing it out there, right? Talk about being awkward. The guy says, well, and we're all going to be at the banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, nope, none of you are going to be there. Thank you for the dinner. The fish was delicious. Well, I'll see you in hell, right? <laughs> that's what Jesus is living with. So that's it. Thank you. And he walks up and he gets out. That's what happens. That's the historical meaning of the parable. Secondly, is a polemical meaning. Polemical meaning is um, the cause of it. The solution that it refers to. Cause that it re- refers to is. What the writer is referring to, Luke is writing in these days of early church and there may be struggle between who is accepted in the first church. Are you accepted if you're not practic- circumcised? Are you accepted if you're not practicing Sabbath? Are you accepted if you're in this culture, in this society, in this race? There may be struggle within churches at this time. And Luke is referring to that, how everyone's invited to the kingdom of God. Right? Um, And maybe today too, right? In church today? Is everyone invited to church today? Yes? Some places not, right? Some churches are not. And so the question is, as a church, together, us, Life Flight, are we inviting everybody? Are we welcoming everybody? Mm -hmm. That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Always examine ourselves. Third meaning, the last one is relevant meaning, which means, last week, last Sunday, I talked about how Christian faith is Exclusive, right? Only through Jesus. It's exclusive. Today's text tells us that Christian faith is inclusive. Everyone's invited. Right? Everyone's invited. All are invited. In fact, it's so radical and unbelievable that it takes a lot of convincing. You said your parents try to invite some bum and, uh, or homeless. Would, would he come? Like, if you went out to the street and, hey, I'm having this fabulous party in, you know, in Hyatt Hotel, I want you to come. Is that going to take some convincing? No. Yeah. It's going to take some, you know, convincing. Because he's going to say, uh, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what's the agenda here? It's going to take some convincing. So, that's why it says in verse 23, 22, it says... Uh, um, It says, compel people to come in. In Christian history, the people have used this in a way, in an excuse to abuse and use violence to impose um, Christianity faith on people um, aggressively. But that's not what it means. It means they're not going to understand. This will be too good to be true for them. You need to go out there and compel them. Convince them that this really is happening. This is true. You are invited. And you know, it takes, it took some of us that compelling reasons, that convincing to come to faith, didn't it? Like, I don't deserve this. Do I deserve this? And some of our friends might react the same way. Do I really deserve the love of God? Look at my life. Look what I am. Look what I have done. Do I deserve it? it takes compelling. So, relevant meaning, all I invited, number two, your religion doesn't get you in. And what that means, don't assume that you're going to end up in the kingdom of God. Like the guy who asked the question, hey, we're all going to be in the kingdom of God. Don't assume. Just because you were baptized, just because you cried at a retreat or at Young Life Camp, just because you confessed, just because, oh, my mom's Catholic, my parents are Catholic, I guess I'm Catholic too. Um, Or I guess I'm Christian. Don't assume. Your religion doesn't get you in. It really matters, are you a follower of Jesus now or not? That's what it matters. That's what it matters. Third, I'll go through this quick. Have you chosen Jesus? Or are you giving excuses? Like these people are. And sometimes, maybe this isn't excuses. Maybe this really happened. What if these are really This really happened to these people. And these are legit excuses. But you know, we're not called to choose Jesus over little things. But we're called to choose Jesus over our best things. Best options. We're called to choose over our best options. Not the least one. So are you choosing Jesus over the best things in life? Or are you giving excuses? Lastly, I hope you are loving what Jesus says here in the end of verse 23. He says, so that my house may be filled. That's, that's God. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of Jesus. That's what the Bible is all about. That's why God created the earth and created you and I, created human being, human race. All this creation is also because He wants to fill His house with His people. So, so then my house can be filled. And what you realize when you look at the verse 23, the parable isn't finished completely. And that's what parable is. You look at, we, we see that over and over. kind of leaves unresolved. right? It leaves unresolved. And you look at it in verse 23. It says that the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. We don't hear what happened next. Did everyone come? Did it get filled? We don't see it, because this is what's happening now. This is what's going on. And it sounds like a command, doesn't it? It sounds like a command. We are the one who is the slave that's been sent out. And we are the ones who's been invited. We are the guests that are already at the house, at the party. And you know, we who are guests are now the co-hosts. That's who we are called to be—to be the host of the party. And we are sent to invite. So, who would we invite? Who would we glorify the master by revealing who he is, by being gracious? What it mean? What? It, what would it mean to celebrate God's kingdom so that people at the bottom of the pile, at the end of the line, would find it? good news. That's what we're called to do. We're called to go out and bring people. Bring people that, people who are undeserving would receive it and say, this is good news. And it's going to take some convincing because this is too good of a news. That's the God we believe in. That's the God we serve. And that's what we're commanded to do, to go out and call. And uh, what's most great about this parable if you see it is in verse 21 what does it say what happens to the master what's his reaction he gets, angry. he gets angry the master gets angry Jesus is angry that's Pharisees what does he do with his anger he turns his anger into grace he says he's angry but what does he do he says go invite others then Right? He says, go invite others. He says, bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Jesus turns his anger into grace and mercy. And that's what it is. He turns his anger, and he goes to where? The cross. So that we can be invited. And that's really the gospel. That's the good news. Is that God, in his anger, turns his anger to grace. And that's what we do when we celebrate this. We celebrate the glimpse of the great banquet. But we also remind, we are reminded that we have been called and invited to the banquet. And we also remember that we are called to go out and invite others. Into the grace of God. We deserved anger. We deserved condemna- condemnation. But God turned His anger into grace. And invited us and received us. Let me pray. We take time to uh, break the bread and drink the cup. Father, I pray that all of us will recognize that we all have been invited, but we've been invited by the cost that it took you. And as we come together to drink the bread and the cup, that we realize that we deserve the anger, but you have turned it into grace, that you took on the cross, and that you call us to go out and invite more. And I pray that all of us will receive that command and know that our lives are lives of co-hosts of the kingdom of God. We are there. and We're thankful. We're gracious. But to bring your glory to others, that we need to go out and bring others to you. So I pray that we'll be thankful also be burdened by the burden that you have to fill your house with everyone so that you can be our God and we can be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes our presentation. For more information and other audio content, please visit lifelightchurch.org